Welcome to the very first San Diego podcast, our new show that's music focused, but not necessarily music obsessed. Guests will be from all walks of life, musicians, athletes, brewers, politicians, but they're all music fans. Upcoming episodes will feature P.O.D.'s Sonny Sandoval, Imperial Beach Mayor Serge Dedina, NBC7's Catherine Garcia, and Cece from Little Hurricane. For a pilot, we're going big right out of the gate with Slightly Stupid's Miles Dowdy. Want to know where Miles goes for tacos or why the band dropped 12 grand making one single record? Or how about getting discovered by Sublime's Bradley Knoll? It's all coming up next. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the San Diego podcast. I am your host, Dustin Lutzbike, and with me today is Miles Dowdy from Slightly Stupid. How are you, my friend? Man, it's good to be here, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you uh, being here. Um, fun fact, we have had Slightly Stupid on our TV show, San Diego TV, seven times in the last eight years. It has become a tradition at this point. So it's uh, it's kind of fitting that you are our first guest. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh Thanks for having me here. Yeah, today. right on, right on. Uh, of course, Slightly Stupid is, uh, I would say, definitively the biggest band to come out of Ocean Beach um, ever. And, you know, I was kind of wondering, do you guys still live in Ocean Beach? Do you still claim Ocean Beach? Is that still a community that you guys are uh, living in? I mean, maybe just you. I don't know if there are other band members. Yeah, I mean, me and Kyle, we grew up in Ocean Beach since we were little kids and, and – uh, I don't think I'll ever really move from there. I've toured all over the world, toured, toured all over the States, and you kind of have places where you're like, oh, this place is rad, but there's not really any place like Ocean Beach. It's a pretty kind of unique community. Yeah. Um, it's something that kind of hasn't had a lot of change over the course of time, and, and it's kind of been cemented as its own little zone, kind of away from, let's say, kind of like the man, I guess. Even yeah, the, yeah. It is, it's kind of a... I've always heard it referred to as, you know, kind of the hippie-ish part of town. Yeah, right? and it's it's great, man. I mean, I've lived there my whole life. My dad still lives in the same beach shack that I grew up in, uh, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, do you think that uh, you would ever be tempted to, like, move away um, or relocate somewhere else? Maybe a different – maybe La Jolla? I mean, you got a little bit of money now. I think you could afford it. Nah, La Jolla – for me is is not where it's at it's the opposite like, of ocean beach basically. yeah it's kind of the opposite and honestly it takes so long to get anywhere if you live in la jolla yes like, think about how long it takes to get from ocean beach to la jolla it's like a 25 minute drive right. you're just like dude it's like two miles away right 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 um but yeah i mean for me like i'm an ocean you know ocean beach kid like that's just kind of where i love to be like yeah. you know sunset cliffs all that area it's just beautiful there's a certain you know, unique quality about it and just the vibe, the energy, you know, growing up surfing, skating, boogie boarding, you know, it's kind of like, I would, there's not really a better place to be, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's cool about being a musician and traveling is we've seen every state we've been, we've right. toured been every everywhere. place and there's a lot of great spots. Don't get me wrong, but just like between the food, the people, um, the culture, I don't think I could ever really leave. Do you have a, a go-to, uh, taco shop in ocean beach is there i mean i got one off the top of my head but uh yeah i mean for for me obviously like the minute i get back from tour or off a plane from a weekend of shows or whatever i go to nico's i've been going there my entire life uh friends with the family that owns it and 
and uh honestly they're amazing and and roberto's on voltaire they're great too we got a lot of homies that work there and, yeah. and uh you know when you kind of live in ob that's kind of like part of the culture is getting a burrito or a taco yeah and and, and that's kind of my first you know i could eat it seven days a week you know <laughs> i probably have eaten it seven days a week to be honest with you uh um there's something about taco shops in san diego i mean you have been everywhere so i mean you know like you can't get uh san diego in mexican food like san diego anywhere. no it's actually pretty crazy like people don't really understand that like you really you cannot get a burrito like you do down here in the right, taco shops. Yeah. it's crazy yeah. even going to la it's different yeah it's totally different in and LA. don't get me wrong there's some places i enjoy like there's spots in arizona yeah. um that have good burritos but mm. there's just something about socal right here san diego the vibe like it's the food is just incredible the yeah. hot sauce everything the hot sauce that's that's true people forget about the hot sauce the hot sauce is crucial that's a key uh do you have um I, I like to call it like a, a litmus test. When you go in a, a taco shop, there's like one thing that you get where you know, that will kind of tell you if that's a good taco shop to be in or not. Do you have something like that? Um, I mean, on, always a carne asada burrito. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the carne asada burrito isn't good, it's tough to yeah it's tough to, to go from there, there right. you know? <laughs> and, and, but places like Nico's, like Nico's, the beef tacos are incredible. The carne asada tortas are bomb. Yeah. Bean and cheese. You know, Roberto's has like some of the best carne asada meat. Like the flavor is great. And, yeah. And Nico's and Roberto's actually have like a relationship from back in the day. Oh, I like, didn't know that. Because they were like the first taco shops oh, in OB, really. You okay. know, so like it's just cool. Like it's all kind of a family vibe. And yeah. and uh, like I love supporting the mom and pop places. Like yeah. I, st- I still go to OB Hardware for like little things. Mm. And they, the people that own it, they're like 90 years old right. and still go to work. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. And, well, that's really, their that's their that's their life. That's ideally the American dream, right there, the yeah. real one, not the corporate takeover that's happened. Like yeah. that, where your family sustains these places for generations, and, right. and that, to me, it's it's pretty special to see that. Like I always try to support it, just because we live in a time where now, now, yeah. now, like click yeah. at my house, click, right. okay, like <laughs> you don't even have to engage, yeah. you don't have to do anything, and and. Uh, I really miss the times where, hey, maybe I'll see you this weekend. You call and there's a busy signal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It Those kind of things, you kind of, you lose track of it for a minute. And then yeah. you realize like how fast everything's going. And I'm not, I'm the kind of person that tries to reflect on those kind of moments where you're like, damn, like it's it kind of sucks that it's not like it was yeah. because, you know, there's more engagement with like kids and whatnot and how they, you know, hey, we would go out and play. Hey, I'll see you at dinner time. Right. Like then you get home, you eat dinner, you do your homework, all that stuff. And yeah. it's like now it's like kids are on iPads, TV, virtual reality things. Constantly like, connected. They're constantly interacting with, you know, other other kids and other yeah, people. Yeah, I, I mean, we still don't even really know. These things could just be frying everybody. Phones could you know be. I mean? like, yeah. Honestly, well, it's like radiation right to your dome. You're just like, <laughs> right. Yeah. We have no idea. There have been no uh, real studies. And I mean, you know, I think it's it's weird because you and I, like we, we came from a time before internet, you know, and we know what it was like to live in a world without your, you know, being that connected all of the time. There was some serious legwork that had to be done back then. And, and we used to make all of our own flyers back in the day. Oh, and, nice. and we'd have like 
I'd give a stack to a homie over here, a homie over here, be like, yo, dude, you paper that part of town. I'll paper this part of town. Yeah. And, and uh, what was cool is we were just at our event in Cancun. We do, it's called Closer to the Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, we just finished up. But we were down there. And one of the guys that was down there used to be one of the bouncers at Soma back in the oh, day when we used to play there. Man. And he brought a couple of flyers from Soma from when we played there. Old flyers? And it I was tripping, just looking at him going, Oh my God. Like <laughs> after like he you know, he told me his name and you I totally like remember him yeah. from the time we were there. But yeah. he gave me these flyers and in the same he basically made a photocopy of it because he had the flyer, mm-hmm. but he made it in the same color paper that it came in and everything and it was a couple of like the sideshow shows that we did it we weren't even in the main not the main stage yeah yeah. and it was just cool i'm I'm tripping just because five bucks you know you get in the show (laughs) five bucks it was like i think we were first too like the first band oh you're the opening man (laughs) we were first on one of the shows the flyer we were first and we were playing with face to face the punk oh wow yeah and then the next flyer he gave me, it was still a sideshow flyer, but we were headlining. You moved up. <laughs> and it, it, just looking at some of the names of the bands, I totally remember playing a ton of shows with these yeah. bands back in the day yeah. at the Soma, you know, because Soma was really the only place that the punk rock kind of bands could play. Right. You know, right. in all age events, there wasn't really places that would do that. Yeah. So that, you know, in the 90s, that's kind of where we went. I, I wanted to ask you about that because, like, you know, uh, did you when you were coming up obviously that was you know that was a huge consideration of like well we have to play all ages shows we have to play where we can and so you guys i would i would imagine like you guys went from soma to eventually like you know maybe casbah or somewhere after that you know what's funny we've actually never played the casbah really wow Um, that is shocking we would play canes um then it was called Wave House yes, after that. But yeah. for when we were playing there, it was called Canes. Yeah. Um, I kind of miss Canes in a weird, weird way. <laughs> it was I mean, a fun it was time. A, it was a strange little venue, but I, I saw a couple shows there, and it, and it was, it was interesting. <laughs> it, it was rad. We we had a blast there. Like so many great shows. Like when you sold out a place like that, you just felt good. Like yeah. there, I think it only held like nine hundred people too. But you just there was something about it, the energy that's in there, and yeah. and just the time of our life when we were playing there you know you're in your 20s you're crazy and uh just having fun and and that was cool and and we played too we used to play like the tilted stick and ob winston's the yeah. tilted stick literally is not much bigger than this room that we're sitting in right now <laughs> it's, like mind five you. By five. it's on voltaire <laughs> and uh we played dream street um oh i remember dream street and it was called like g lounge for a little bit we played it when it was called g lounge dream street was the first place that i saw um sublime play that's where we really met, that's where we met brad when i was oh, like 16 wow. years old i had a fake id it was oh, pretty rad my goodness how do, i mean you know what was he like i mean you know the i think a, a lot of people now that are fans of sublime weren't even alive when he when they were still playing yeah, you know? yeah. i mean that and that's kind of a surreal thing you know i mean like what was he like as a person I mean, he was he was great, man. He was always just in the moment of music. You know what I mean? His mind was always just kind of reeling about playing music, and and uh, he was a little crazy too. You know, um, I was kind of like in that time. I was I was hanging out with him a lot, like little brother kind of drop. You know, going to shows, bringing the guitars in, um, partying on the weekends, and just kind of goofing around. He was like twenty five. I was like fifteen, sixteen at yeah. the time. Wow. Um, and we had met him when he, they played dream street in ob which it only holds like 
150 people, yeah, 150 maybe. people, that. yeah, yeah. And uh, my mom's friend back in the day made made a fake ID for me. This was like <laughs> when before California had those crazy the like hologram ideas. licenses. Yeah. But yeah. dude, this thing was so legit. It it had all my info, my everything picture except for the date was switched. Did it say Dude, McLovin on it? No, nah, nah, it was all. <laughs> it was my time. house address, my name. Like so, it was so easy to do it. And yeah. I was literally like this kid in the bar, like watching. You know, we had like forty ounces of freedom cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just a cool, you know, moment. And uh, um, my mom got them to come back to our house the next day and like, Oh, my son's got all this recording equipment da, 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 and like Brad and Miguel and, and Brad's um, girl at the time, Troy ended up being his wife too. Yeah. But uh, they all came over and, and uh, just kind of connected and, and uh, you know, he kind of took us under his wing. When did, um, I mean, did he hear your music for the first time then or was it? Yeah. Later? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, so he had a lot of influence. Like we, we uh, went up and recorded our first record in this thing called the, a fake nightclub that was their studio and it was total like super ghetto crazy party place with a eight track reel to reel recorder (laughs) in it you know what i mean so it was absolutely bonkers and a great great place for a couple of 15 year olds yeah Yeah. i mean we, we were we were kids and and what was cool is it was just like we were in this moment of you know this long beach scene of of maniacs you know and and the power of their music what it did to people was yeah. just electrifying like you you know we'd go to these shows as little kids and and be hanging out with those guys and and you look at how the the fans react and and they were such a time bomb when they'd walk into a room you know you never know what to expect yeah. and, and it was just a cool it was really rock and rollish you know what i mean just because nowadays so many artists they play to tracks and things mm-hmm. and where everything is so scripted and they don't go off the script where that was still like <laughs> like boozing, raging, just having fun and, and winging and, it and, a lot of yeah, a lot of completely. You know, jamming and stuff. It's and all it, it was yeah. it was winging it completely and yeah. just and it was great. Like that was such a a cool time of life and and music and I really learned a lot as a kid and I was exposed to a lot like bam. Like you don't usually see that as like a 15 and 16 year old yeah. like in like like the clubs, you know, not not like clubs, like dance clubs, like rock clubs. Right, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> where, where like I mean, the whole circuit of bars and things. So that was really cool to be a part of that and, and uh, you know, just be a part of, uh, you know, Brad and Miguel and all those people's lives and, and kind of getting taken under the, their wing and, and, you know, showing us and talking about just how important being on the road is and, and don't always just focus on recording. Like yeah. you really, you earn it by getting your fans on the road and yeah. and doing the grind and and getting respect like that so I mean, at one point i think uh for a long time you guys were playing like 200 shows a year or whatever is that is that some is that basically uh similar to what brad was talking about it's like you have to go out and you have to play all the time yeah it was more that that's exactly how he was saying if you yeah. want to really build it and have that that fan base for real yeah that's what you have to do and 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 word of mouth kind of went around because you know, not a lot of people knew who Slightly Stupid was, but we were on Skunk Records. And right. Skunk was, people, Sublime was just about to explode because uh, when Brad died is really when Sublime exploded, exploded. Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't really get to see um, the magnitude of, of what it became. Yeah. You know, which is sad because he had a lot of, you know, great songs and, and you know, a lot of, you know, heartfelt, tragic stuff in the music too is you know that yeah that is uh 
um, it's kind of timeless if you think about it because people listen to Sublime today and and they don't even realize that he's been dead for 20 years. You know what I mean? And and it's pretty crazy to think about like that when you go, whoa. To to me, I, I forget a lot that he never really got to see it explode the way it did. You know, I mean, it was such a, it was such a, um, massive, uh, you know, it took off so huge, um, in 96, 97 to me, they were kind of like Nirvana and the way that you could tell when Nirvana was about to break, like there was uh, a period of time where their shows kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, everybody was talking about them. Like it was just like, you know, there wasn't a, a music publication on the planet that wasn't kind of following them and kind of covering them a little bit. And then at some point, uh, you know, they, they, you know, the video came out or they hit number one or whatever. And it was just like, boom, everybody knew who Nirvana was, you know, it was like the new thing. Yeah. I mean, I was glad that you kind of brought that up. Cause I, that's exactly what I was going to say is, is the Nirvana changed that scene from hair metal to the grunge yes yeah and sublime changed from grunge to the socal reggae scene like there right. wasn't that wasn't really there like right. yeah there was fishbone there was no doubt um 311 kind of had a, took a little bit of that sound that um sublime had and yeah and that really that opened the door for all those artists to explode right you know what i mean right. and and it really that's kind of like when you have that kind of monumental change in music, it's that's why it's so timeless. Like right, it's twenty, right. it's twenty years past, and and people are still like, I don't practice Santeria. Like, <laughs> you know, there, it sounds like it's still like coming from this era because yeah. of the movement that it created. Though, like yeah. so many artists now, the culture back then it was literally Sublime, Three Eleven, no doubt. We were like the only baby band of that era. You know, kind of like the yeah. the young band that was doing that kind of stuff and then the scene exploded when they did and right it's really cool to you know there's ten thousand bands now because of what what the sublime I mean, kind of what they did, did. Yeah, yeah yeah i think talking about like this music history is kind of a good uh lead in to what i want to do next and we are going to play a trivia game with you it's called a or b side so you have two options to choose from um But that's going to be coming up next. Perfect. And it's going to be fun. (laughs) All right. We are back and it is time to pick your brain, Miles. And I hope you're awake enough to do this. I know it's, uh, I don't know. Trivia is sometimes, uh, you know, someone's strong point or not strong point. I don't know. You know, for me, I love trivia. Yeah, we'll find out right now. <laughs> if my wife was here, she'd crush it. <laughs> this the, this particular this week's game uh, is about mm, some of the artists that you uh, slightly stupid has worked with or toured with um, or maybe influenced by. So they're not coming totally out of left field. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you'll probably get all of them right, but who knows? If you don't, it's not a big deal. I'm gonna miss them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is A or B side. The first question. Your band was originally signed to Skunk Records uh, by Bradley Knoll. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, And it's crazy how uh, they kind of blew up after Brad passed away. And 
you know, they put out, considering they only put out three albums, three studio albums, uh, the third one, which came out right after he passed, um, was originally titled something else. Was it named A, Three Ring Circus, or B, Killing It? Killing It. You are correct. Killing It was indeed supposed to be the name of the third album. <laughs> Uh, it was scrapped uh, for kind of obvious reasons. Yeah. I really, I mean, um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know. I mean, because they had you know such inventive band uh, album names, you know, the first two records, and then the third one was like uh, eponymous and eponymous. I should say. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, um, yes. So you got one out of one. You're doing good. Perfect. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, as we mentioned earlier on the podcast, Salty Stupid came up in OB, and maybe unsurprisingly, Ocean Beach has been the birthplace or home base of a ton of local musicians and bands. Most notably, one big name musician that has kind of become synonymous with San Diego music was born in Ocean Beach. Was it A, Jason Mraz, or B, Swami John Reese from Rocket from the Crypt and Hot Snakes? In the- oh, Rocket from the Crypt. Swami. Okay. You're correct. Yes, it was Swami. Uh, Mraz was born in Mechanicsville, Virginia, before moving to San Diego at the age of 22. Not a native. Yeah, Jason didn't seem like he was native to Ocean Beach. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Swami was born in 1969 in OB, and since then, San Diego music has never really been the same. Rocket from the Crypt was dope. Absolutely. Rocket from the Crypt is, uh, I would say... Kind of the the I don't know the the pillar of San Diego music really I mean if you you know uh, of course there's been great bands that have come out of San Diego but it's like for me personally Rocket from the Crypt Hot Snakes I love Hot Snakes so I mean I don't know one of the two <laughs> all right uh, next question in 2009 you guys went on a co-headlining tour with Snoop Dogg titled the Blazed and Confused Tour. Of course, you both share a fondness for weed. I think we can uh, <laughs> confirm. Uh, in fact, just a couple years ago, you once pressed a the first smokable vinyl record. Um, how much did it cost to make that record? Because <laughs> I mean, because you guys had to make it out of hash, basically, right? It was about uh, a nine thousand dollars street value of hash, and then it cost about twenty five hundred bucks to press it. Oh, so it was basically, you know, almost a $12,000 vinyl, <laughs> but it was That's incredible. Crazy. Like it, no one's really ever done that before. And, yeah. and uh, you know, our John Phillips, uh, one of our management um, guys uh, had the idea to do it and uh, it was really something special and, and uh, it played the song too, which is cool. Is, is it? Is it gone now? Is it? <laughs> it? It's definitely, it's definitely not a whole record anymore. I think we saved part of it just for you know yeah, memorabilia. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, it's not a whole record anymore. <laughs> but it was definitely something cool, just to kind of pioneer it, and uh, it was it happened before the legalization happened. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like right on the cusp of yeah. something. But even so, I mean, it's obviously not cost effective. Like, right? Who's gonna? Hey, can I get that vinyl? Yeah, it'll be twelve grand, dude. No problem. <laughs> Uh, back to my question about Snoop, though. In 2015, 
He was the first major celebrity to brand and market his own legal cannabis products. Is his brand named A, Leafs by Snoop, or B, Mary Jane, like Merry Christmas, like Mary Jane? Oh, man. This is a tricky one, and I made it tricky on purpose. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm just going to go Leafs by Snoop. You are correct. It is Leafs by Snoop. Oh. <laughs> he, um, his own cannabis brand is called Leafs by Snoop. Uh, Snoop Dogg launched a digital media business titled Mary Jane in 2015. It was, so it was the same year, and it was it had to do with cannabis, but it was like a web, like a resource website kind yeah. of deal. Um, I love you, Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, I was particularly proud of that question. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stumper. Uh, yeah. Um, I know you guys have had uh, a strain made for you guys by Humboldt um, Seed Company, mm-hmm. and I think it was called Stupid Fruit. Yeah, we have Stupid Fruits and Collie Man Kush. Do you have you considered? I mean, is that kind of on the table, like of making your own brand at this point? Yeah, we're we're in the process of that, doing that right now, and and Humboldt Seeds has been great with us, and uh, but we're 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 experimenting with a few different other people too, and and just trying to you know get the right product for us you know their seeds are great like we're happy with what we've done with humboldt seeds and and um there's just a lot of great growers out there and and we're friends with a few of them and and it's trying to like make the best possible you know i want for me i I have to smoke a certain herb okay like i'm not just gonna go get that herb Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so like for me it's i don't want to just slap my name on it and say hey this is what yeah we like right. if it's not what we like right, right. so um <laughs> gotta be authentic you gotta yeah. stay true to yourself and uh humboldt seeds has been great and uh, we love their product and and uh the relationship we have with them cool. and i think as far as like beyond that it, like where you're you know selling flour and and pens and whatnot it's it, we're still kind of in the production of phase of that of trying to find what's perfect for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um we've waited this long so we're not like in a rush necessarily yeah you know what i mean yeah. so many people just throw products out there and and honestly the only ones that i'll stand by is is be real um the dr green thumb stuff because uh he always comes correct i'm not gonna <laughs> lie man like we'll be in i think we were in spain this summer with him and he still had like the super bomb and i'm like damn bro like <laughs> just ro- it just oh, comes man. out of his veins yeah and right. so it it's just cool like for us like i want that yeah. you know and yeah. and uh um we're not gonna i don't have you know the camera savvy that be real does you know he loves you know the posts he does like the the promotion the green screen stuff all yeah. that stuff like yeah. that's not really for slightly stupid but we're just gonna let the product kind of speak for itself and yeah. and uh you know hope people like it like we like the stuff that'll bring a tear to the eye and and uh not the stuff that'll just burn your throat right (laughs) (laughs) okay so you were uh you won you won the trivia contest sweet (laughs) you are a winner does it feel good to be a winner it's a new car right (laughs) (laughs) i love that new car smell (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what we can do i mean you know nbc uh it's got some bucks so you know maybe we can throw you a car yeah Uh, Thank you for playing A or B side. If you thought our trivia game was tricky, my picks for the best upcoming shows this week don't require any guesswork. Up next, the San Diego set list. 
All right, Miles, let's take a look at a few of the week's best upcoming shows in our set list. Uh, you might remember that James Supercave headlined one of our own San Diego Live parties last year. And guess what? They're back at the Casbah on Thursday. The very next night, one of my favorite bands, Dr. Dog, headlines the Observatory North Park. These guys do psych rock better than most, and it seems like they've only gotten better with age. And since it's a leap year, we're blessed with one extra day in February, the 29th, of course. On Saturday night, who can it be now other than Men at Work's own Colin Hay at the Magnolia in El Cajon? Well, that is all she wrote. Miles, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I appreciate it. It, it was a good day. It was. It was. It was a fun time. Um, a Modelo just ran out. Look at that. It's one last sip. Wow. Perfect you timed it. Yeah, you timed it perfectly. Uh, I hope you'll come back on um, at some point in the future and we can catch up again. Coming up on future episodes, we've got the mayor of IB, Serge Dedina, along with POD's Sonny Sandoval, NBC7's Catherine Garcia, and Cece from Little Hurricane. We've got notes from this week's episode on SanDiego.com, so if you'd like a little more info on some of the stuff Miles and I talked about, including a bonus A or B side question, where we talk about the Grateful Dead and Miles shares stories about working with Bob Weir, head over there and check it out. We're going to leave you now with our local Spotlight Artist of the Week, a segment you'll remember from San Diego TV, our own TV show, which airs on Saturday nights at 1.30 a.m. Here is the song Drive All Night by Hard Fall Hearts. Do yourself a favor and catch them on the 29th at Soda Bar. Until next Monday, enjoy the music. I got to die